Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Peter, you, uh, thank you for coming on, man. Take it away, sir. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to do it, but uh, I kind of got guilted into it. I still have that newcomer thing where I want to people please. Ah. So if enough people say it, then I'm probably going to end up doing it. Right? Well, and of course you want to please these kinds of people. Exactly. Right? I, I kind of want like... to keep them close. That way I don't have to pay them 20 bucks a month to That's be my right. friend. Right? That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe 10 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's what I paid Darcy. Doing bucks. this is kind of, it, it's hard to do, like telling your story. Because for me, from my experience since I've been sober and from the many people that I've heard speak, uh, even on YouTube or in person, it's always been the story never stays the same Mm -hmm. because more is revealed as we go through it, right? And I find that it's a nice way to gauge your growth and recovery too because being an alcoholic and being an addict, I like to forget where I come from, Mm -hmm. right? But that's just something that's ingrained in me as an alcoholic and an addict is to forget things. Right. You know, because um, I like to live in chaos. I like to live in drama, you know, and I like to I like to live in those things that are like that, because that helps me justify um, the way that I think, the way that I say and the way that I do things. Right. You know, so which is why I encourage it with with people that I know in recovery to get out there and do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, By no means am I do I speak for any 12 step recovery program in its whole, yep. like I don't, I'm just one individual member and that, mm-hmm. that's it. And I can only speak about my own experience that I've had with the steps mm-hmm. since I've been sober, right? And it's been over 10 years now, um, but I'm what right some on. people in recovery like to call a retread, okay. where I, I've been here before and then I left yep. and then I came back again and then um, <clears throat> I went out and then I came back again. Sorry, I gotta turn that off, I that's can't okay. hear you. Um, by no means do I blame my, my parents do I blame um, my family? Do I blame anyone that I've ever associated with or hung out with for why I ended up the way that I en- ended up? It may play it may play a small part in it to where I use those as the excuse to go and do it, right? Um, I like to say uh, I drank at it, right? Like I drank at my dad, mm-hmm. I drank at my mom, I drank at my siblings. I drank at my friends, I drank at this person, that person, I drank at the police, I drank at the doctors at the hospital, I drank at the past from the residential schools, even though I wasn't in a residential school, but I was in a day school, I drank at uh, the lawyers, uh, the MMIW, the Every Child Matters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? I always found an excuse to drink and to use drugs, right? Um, I'm an addict to... You know, my, my partner tells me that I was probably a snob when I drank. And she's probably right. She's probably right. You know, because the, the bar was set very high for me at a young age about what an alcoholic and what an addict was, mm-hmm. right? And as long as I wasn't drinking cheap beer, um, as long as I wasn't drinking uh, hand sanitizer, rubbing alcohol or anything like that, then I can't be an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? Um, as long as I didn't stick a needle in my arm, then I can't be a drug addict. You know, as long as I'm not smoking crack, I can't be a drug addict, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the, the, the functioning alcoholic, the functioning addict, right? You know, and um, you know, I'm 53 years of age now. Um, I have five kids, three of them are biologically mine. I have nine grandchildren. Um, I come from a very large family on my mother's side and my father's side. 
and also their parents had lots of kids as well, so many aunties and uncles. And I mean, from a family that is dominated by women on both sides, right? Which is why I think I get along better with women than I do with men, mm -hmm. right? Um, because I'm not, I used to be not comfortable with being in touch with my feminine side, mm -hmm. right? And I feel that I'm more accepted by women when I'm in touch with my feminine side than I am with, with men, mm -hmm. right? Because men are always too busy, I call it measuring dicks, mm -hmm. right? And I don't really yes. want to be around that. I know I would win hands down, but right. you know. <laughs> well, but that's what I was thinking, Peter. I was thinking if you've already got them beat, why would you bother? Yeah. Right? Like when you, know, you walk around with a yardstick, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Humble as fuck with his yardstick. <laughs> and um, I don't re ever ever recall a time where I can't say drink normal, where I ever had just a couple of drinks, mm -hmm. right? You know, I remember being a, a little kid, and I was probably in kindergarten or in grade six, and my dad would come home from work, and my dad was managing a bar at the time. And I would get up with my mom, and my mom would reheat his dinner for him, and he'd be half snapped, and I'd sit on his lap, and I'd take a couple of sips of his beer, and I liked the taste of it. And then I liked the buzz that I got from it. Then I would go to bed, right? That's probably the only time in my entire drinking career that I only had a couple sips mm -hmm. and that was it, right? You know, um, the very first time I drank intentionally uh, it was not too long after my father had passed away. I was 12 years old and um, I had just left my dad's to go and live with my mom because my, my father had passed away. And uh, I was going to go hang out with my brothers and sisters. Never felt like I got along with my brothers and sisters because I was raised differently than they were, right? Um, with my father, it was, we lived off the land. We would hunt, we would fish, uh, we'd chop wood for heat, you know, fetch water from the creek or melt snow for water. Uh, we had a wood stove, you know, the only thing we had that was pretty much man-made was that we had electricity and that was it, right? Uh, my dad was a farmer, you know, my dad taught me, taught me more about what not to do than he did of what to do, but he still taught me something, mm -hmm. right, you know? And uh, with my siblings, it was, it always felt like I wasn't, I wasn't enough for them or I wasn't the same as them. Again, the whole being raised differently from them, right? You always contribute, you always help around the house. And whenever I went to go help my, my mother around the house, my brothers and sisters would make fun of me and then the friends would make fun of me. So again, never felt accepted, really sensitive. The big book talks about, you know, that the sensitive alcoholic and then we break out in the rash of self-will, mm -hmm. right? And I found that when I drank with them and we smoked some pot, that I was more accepted by my siblings and I was more accepted by their friends, mm. right? And then it was easier for me to make friends as I was growing up, right? Um, I think at 16, I developed a problem with uh, cocaine and I was fortunate enough to be hanging out with some young, some young guys that they knew we shouldn't be doing that. Not mm. me, but we shouldn't be doing that. Mm -hmm. So they found out where I was and uh, they dragged me outside of the house and beat the shit out of me in the driveway over the house. And they said, if you do this again, we're gonna put you in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I quit because I didn't wanna get fucking beaten from my friends again, mm -hmm. right? And I never touched it again after that until I had moved. And, and it was weird when I had moved at 18 years old, it was, I was tired of the partying, everything that came with the partying because we drank all the time all the time and it was to get annihilated it wasn't mm -hmm. just to be sociable it was to get annihilated and i remember jumping on the greyhound in front of times colonist newspaper office in victoria and i was jumping on the bus to go and stay with my mom in chilliwack bc and my friends they all came down there they grabbed my bags said that i couldn't go and i said go ahead and take my shit like i, I have to go i can't stay here anymore you know and uh so they brought my bags back they cried i cried you know, and, and, and it was a nice moment. It was a really, really nice moment because I got to experience something with my friends at that age that I always wanted to experience with people, mm -hmm. to say the least, right? But we were all too busy getting drunk all the time, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I had left. And you know, you, you take you with you, right? You know, and, and it continued out there, you know, when mm -hmm. I was out there. You know, um, I ended up meeting somebody. Um, we had a couple of girls together and you know my my daughters never really got to experience my 
drinking as it escalated and got really, really bad. You know, they experienced some of it, but not a lot of it, you know. Um, I don't know exactly when it really got out of hand. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know, but all I know is that it did get out of hand, right? Um, it was weird coming into recovery now with what I know now about me as an alcoholic and believing what the literature does tell me about what an alcoholic and an addict, addict is, the way that we think mm -hmm. before we do it and while we're doing it and what happens after we do it, right? And being able to understand that mindset that I have, right? I always tell people that I wake up every morning with this broken tool on my fucking shoulders, mm -hmm. plain and simple, you know? I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic, I should not be allowed to think, right? I should not be fucking left unsupervised when I need to make these crucial life decisions, right? You know, but, but I still like to call the shots myself and mm -hmm. I like to call the shots myself because I want to be independent, right? I don't want to ask for help because that's just how it's always been for me, right? You know, and um, it, it was weird. I was going through a lot of stuff in my life, a lot. A lot of shit was piling up, being, being the drunk, being the addict. We don't talk a lot to a lot of people about what's going on for us, right? And about how we don't understand things. And, and I basically got kicked out of BC and was told, <laughs> don't, don't come back here. Mm -hmm. And I showed up here in uh, Calgary and... Uh, Depression was big. Um, I'm unmedicated for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And there's a lot more to it than just being hyper and being able to do a million things at once. There's a lot of underlying stuff, which I'm starting to learn about now, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I made an attempt to take my life, right? And um, it, it was kind of weird how it happened. And I honestly believe that was the very first time I've had a spiritual experience, but I didn't know that I was having that at that time, right? And I was living in Ogden, and I walked down to that bridge on Glenmore. I walked over to that bridge, and then I'm not a very good swimmer, right? I think I sink like a rock faster, but I love water, and I'm a Pisces. <laughs> and I stepped over the railing, and I was going to jump off the bridge, right? Because I knew that I would fucking hit my head, knock myself out, and I would drown, right? And that was it. That would be over with. Right, because there were some things that I'd said or done that I'd felt really, really bad about, right? But I also felt that I was completely alone in this world, right? And that nobody fucking cared. You know, nobody cared the way that I wanted them to care, is what it was. It had fucking nothing to do with nobody cared, right? And, um, and all of a sudden, as I'm standing on the, on the edge of the bridge and I'm ready to fucking just jump off and eat shit, I hear a small voice say to me, if you asking why can bring you to this in your life, what is it going to do to your kids and your grandkids? Mm -hmm. And then I stopped and I thought about it and I'm like, I have no right to do that to my kids and I have no right to do that to my grandkids. I have no fucking right, you know. So I stepped back over the railing and I phoned my mom and I told my mom what was going on for me. Everything that was just, how do I put this? Uh, everything that was crushing me mm -hmm. in life. Everything that was crushing me, right? And, um, and then my mom said to me, she, she goes, I want you to go back to AA. I said, fuck that, fuck this. Those losers have nothing to offer me, right? You know, because I had been in recovery before mm -hmm. and it didn't work. And it didn't work because I didn't do the work, yeah. right? You know, my, my intentions were to get that notoriety in recovery because I knew where everything was in the literature. I was chairing meetings. I had a bazillion sponsees and this person was my sponsor and blah, 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 blah. All ego is what it was. And uh, she said, if you're ever going to listen to me once in my life, I want you to listen to me now. And I don't want to lose another son. And when she said that, I don't want to lose another son, the first thing I, that popped in my head was I remember her sitting there and telling me about how she felt when my youngest brother ended up going away to prison for a very long time, you know, and how she felt about when my oldest brother went away to prison for the longest time and about how she felt when I had my other brother um, pass away. Right. And about how she felt. And she it was like she failed as a parent. Right. And being a parent, I know that now failing as a parent, like fuck, that's brutal. Right. Even though I can feel like I'm doing everything right, I can still feel like I'm failing as a parent. Right. And I did not want to be responsible for that. I did not want to be responsible for that pain. Right. I didn't want to be responsible for that. So I, I made a choice and I went to an AA meeting that night. Typical newscomer thing, show up late. You know, trying to fucking deke out first before everybody else does, you know. And uh, one member, which only one member came up to me and shook my hand after the meeting. That was it. And then, and then I started from there, right? I started my recovery journey from there. 
you know, and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do things the same way I did them when I initially came in. You know, I started with, with, with the faith right away. I remember I was about to be homeless, living on the street. That I could do because I did it at a young age, right? And um, Simon House has this thing where you have to phone every day in the morning because I guess I want to see how willing you are, you know. Anybody's fucking willing that they're going to be homeless and starving, okay? <laughs> you know? And um, and I went to 1835 House, and because of what I had done before I ended up here in Calgary, they wanted me to go get a psychiatric evaluation, and I considered that an insult. I wasn't going to go do it, right? I left, and then uh, it was like two days before I was about to, before I had to vacate where I was living, you know, I got a phone call from Simon House, and they said, we got a bed for you. Mm -hmm. You can come, right? And then I thought about it, and I was talking to the guy on the phone, and I said, you know what? If I come there, you're just going to spew the same shit at me that they spewed at me in treatment before. Mm -hmm. You know, I just lack the ability of doing it. So give the bed to somebody who's never been in treatment before, mm -hmm. and I'll be fine, right? About to be homeless, starving. <laughs> I'll be fine, right? Mm -hmm. And I fucking could have had a place. And it was just, everything was just in God's hands, right? Everything was just in God's hands at that point. Two days later, I found a place mm -hmm. in a transition house for people who were trying to straighten out their life, right? You know? And um, a lot of people didn't like me when I first sobered up um, because I didn't want people near me uh, because I didn't trust people, right? I wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, I was so victimized by life that everybody else was the same. Right, you know, um, there's a lady we know in recovery, Barb, and uh, she said she couldn't stand me when she first met me. Right, you know, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. You know? I, I don't know, but I remember my early recovery. I was kind of a pain in the ass too. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Could, it, it couldn't be the fact that I loved run, running long timers up the flagpole yeah. whenever <laughs> you know they were interpreting whenever they were you know, giving their opinion about mm. how they think recovery should be, and yada, yada, yada. And I don't like being told what to do, mm. you know, I just don't, right? So I would always argue that with them all the time, you know, but I thank those long timers for that because they pushed me into the literature mm -hmm. and they pushed me into the traditions and they pushed me into talking to my sponsor more about it so I can understand these things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a part of me, it's, it, and, and, and my sponsor calls it the justice piece. And that is that because nobody was there, because I felt nobody was there to take care of me when I was young, then I have to be that one to take care of others. Mm -hmm. Codependency is another word for it as well, right? When I see people being victimized or being seeing people being treated like shit, right? You know, but sometimes that can get me in trouble too, right? You know, and, um, <clears throat> and the, the very first sponsor I had you know, I honestly believe to this day that he was put in my path for a reason because he never gave me the opportunity to argue back with him. He said what he had to say, and then he left it at that, right? He just left it at that, and that's the way that it was. And I remember when I asked him if he would take me through the steps, and he said to me, what is it I have that you want, right? And at my first thought was, well, who the hell do you think you are? asking me these questions. You're just supposed to take me through the steps, yes or no. You're not supposed to be asking me these questions, right? And, uh, and then I told him, I, I like the fact that you can explain how the steps work in your life. I like that, the experience of it. That's what I want. That's what I want to be able to do. And then, uh, so we had got started that, that night and, you know, He's like, I always get the ones nobody wants, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he came in, he threw the dictionary on the table, and I said, what's that for? He said, you're not as smart as you think you are, use it, you know? And um, of all the different types of ways that anyone can go through step one, I'd never gone through step one the way that I went through step one with him, mm -hmm. right? It was read the doctor's opinion, and you highlight or underline everything that resonates with you, everything that you can relate to, right? And there was so much in the doctor's opinion, so mm -hmm. much, right? And um, then next it was Bill's story, right? 
again, underline, highlight everything that resonates with you that you can relate to, right? And, um, and holy shit, there was so much in Bill's stories as well, right? And then I looked at him and then I said, okay, I'm done all this, now what? And he goes, then I need you to sit down and write why that related to you, hmm. right? And then I sat down and I wrote down why it related to me. And then, uh, and then when I was done, he said, then I need you to look in the mirror and look at yourself and you're gonna read that to you, everything you wrote down. And it was probably within fucking five minutes, I was bawling. Mm -hmm. I was bawling because I was the alcoholic that the big book talked about. I wasn't the alcoholic that I thought was an alcoholic because I drank exactly like they describe it in the big book, mm -hmm. right? And coming to that realization, it was, it was nice, but it wasn't, you know, because it's what the fuck do you do now? Mm -hmm. Like, this is all I've known. This is how I've gotten through life. And now what do I do? What do I do, right? And, and I had to make that decision with whether I wanted to go on with it or, or not. And he tricked me. Because in Bill's story, I was already doing step two and three, mm -hmm. and I didn't even know it, right? And uh, and I told him that too at my cake, like you son of a bitch, you fucking tricked me into doing step two and three. And he goes, because I knew you wouldn't fucking listen to me. That's how cults work. They're <laughs> yeah, always tricking right? us into following yeah, the fucking exactly, rules, right? eh? You know? I knew you wouldn't listen, so <laughs> yeah. I made it. I made it more delicious. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And, and, and again, I'm glad he did. Like he knew mm. how my head worked. But he always said to me every day, "Are you willing to do what it takes to stay sober?" Yes, right. Are you willing to do what it takes? And it used to piss me off when he'd say that to me. Like, like, oh, I don't believe you, right? You know. Mm. But I still kept going anyway because I was going to show him. I was going to show him that I was willing to do what it takes to stay sober. But I listened to what he said because I wanted what he had, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and therefore, I would do what he said, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was that living example for me to follow. Granted, there were some areas where he needed work, but I wasn't going to look at the at the simu I wasn't going to look at the differences anymore. I was just wanted the similarities, right? That's that's all I focused on. And I remember doing step four, getting to step four, and he wrote down the definitions of everything, right? And then uh, at the bottom of the page, before step four starts with the columns, it says people, places, institutes, and principles, right? And uh, and he said the principles, and I I, I didn't know what principles were. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, I thought it was Mr. Razzie from fucking grade seven, right? You know, <laughs> and he started explaining them to me. And so I wrote down love and I wrote down trust and I wrote down loyalty, these things that I was resentful at, right? The police station went down, you know, the Catholic Church went down, the Catholic Church still in there, you know, and, and the hospitals and, and, and lawyers and doctors and nurses, like it, all of that went in there, like it's very thorough in that four. But it was interesting because he told me, you get up, eat, go to work, come home, shower, eat, have your shit, and then sit down and work on your four and you get your ass to a meeting. Mm -hmm. And he goes, that's exactly how you're going to do it, right? And that's exactly how I did it. You know, he explained to me that resentment is to re-feel, right? To re-feel. And I went across. I didn't go down, right? I went across. And uh, each time I worked on my four, I was getting pissed off. I was getting really pissed off, right? And I would stop and I would go to a meeting. So for the first week, he would phone me, you know, oh, what are you doing? I'm just on my way to a meeting. I fucking can't believe you would fucking suggest that I would do this fucking shit. Well, I just bitching and bitching and bitching. I said, okay, good, you're on your way to a meeting. And he hung up, he would hang up on me, <laughs> right? And then I would go to a meeting and then I would feel better, right? And then uh, <laughs> I remember when it came time to do my five and I booked my five. And um, <clears throat> booked my five, and then uh, then they phoned me and told me that they double booked and that I had to wait two weeks to go in and do my five. Mm. And I'm fucking losing my shit. How fucking dare you? Fucking typical Catholics, you know, can't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> my sponsors, except listen. for colonize the planet. Yeah, yeah. They can't do anything right yeah. except for goddamn colonizing. And I'm sitting in my sponsor's truck, and then he Fuckers. says to me, he's like, you know, you've been just shut the fuck up. That's what he said. 
And he's like, you've been fucking carrying this shit around fucking 30 years of your life. Another two weeks isn't going to kill you. Mm. you know. And he had a way of putting things that would make me see it from a different perspective. Mm. right? And that's what he'd always say to me when I'd say to him, well, you're right. And he's like, it's not about being right. It's about having a different perspective. Mm. right? And I would always get that different perspective of him. Right? He challenged me to look at things differently mm-hmm. because I was always looking at things my way, right? Because that's my way was the way things were. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I could not be open-minded about nothing. Right. You know, and he had a way of doing that with me, you know, and I will never forget that experience of that five because that's where I think that's where that promise of, of, of uh, we will be amazed before we were halfway through comes in mm-hmm. with step five. Because I remember when it was come time to do my five and I'm fucking freaking out. I am freaking out, right? And um, he phones me and he says, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm terrified. I am fucking terrified. And he's like, uh, well, you're on your way up to meet me and I'm going to drive you out to the mountain to do your five. Before, when you get here, you need to tell me what you're afraid of or you're not ready to do your five. And he hung up on me, right? So I'm on the bus and I'm on the train and I'm, I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I start praying about it. I don't know what I'm scared of. Please tell me what I'm afraid of. I don't know. And I, and I just shut my mouth and enjoyed the ride the rest of the way. And I got off the train and I walked across the bridge. Wasn't thinking about nothing. I just walked across the bridge and I jumped in the truck and he looked at me and he's like, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm afraid of letting go of the way my life is because it's predictable mm-hmm. and I always know what's going to happen. Therefore, it makes me feel like I have some sort of control of what's going on, and I don't want to let that go. Mm. I don't. And he's like, okay, you're ready to do your five, right? Didn't give me a solution as to what to do mm-hmm. because it was just focus on this. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go, you know, empty the garbage from your mind mm-hmm. is what you're going to go do. And, 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 and the experience of that five was we got there. He dropped me off. Phone me when you're done, and I'll come get you. And uh, when he dropped me off, you know, the whole thing in my brain's going, you know, looking for that way out, mm-hmm. looking for that way out, right? And then I remember the literature telling me that if you withhold, you'll go out, right? And I experienced that when I was in recovery before because I withheld mm-hmm. and I ended up going back out, right? You know, and then so I went in and then for the first, I don't know, I think 10, 15 minutes, I was, uh, I was not being forthcoming. I was not being truthful with the priest, right? And then all of a sudden, it just, it all came out. I have no idea how long I sat there talking with that guy for. I have no idea at all. Um, I remember crying, sitting there talking to him. When we were done, And I left, and I was waiting for my sponsor. I was not the same person at all, at all. And it was weird in a sense because I didn't see things the same mm-hmm. when I walked out of there, nothing. I never, I never noticed the stars before, ever, right? I never noticed the forest before. Mm-hmm. Right, um, the snow looked like it. someone just whipped a million diamonds mm-hmm. down, and I'd never seen that before, like ever. And a fucking deer comes walking up to me, you know, and it reminded me of that thing of like animals sense you're evil and they won't come near you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's a deer standing right by me checking me out, right? Okay, I'm not evil, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but but it was at that point where uh, Chuck C. He writes a book called A New Pair of Glasses. And then they mentioned in one of the personal stories in the big book about how you have the lenses and your glasses on backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's where my glasses had changed right then and there, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, um, and, and it was weird. Again, I don't know how long I was in there for. You know, he wanted me to burn my five or my four. I said, no, I need names, right? So I took all the names off and burned the rest of it. And then um, when my sponsor showed up, I tried to say something. He said, shut your fucking mouth. You're supposed to be quiet for an hour, but you're going to be quiet till tomorrow. Mm. And then we're going to work on step six, right? So we stayed quiet all the way home. You know, being a newcomer, you know, hopped up on three pots of coffee a day, 15 packs of cigarettes. You know, mm. it's hard to go to bed at a normal time, right? Yeah, sleep you know, is and tough. You, yeah, yeah, you know, you go to bed at three, you're up at six, do it all over yeah. again, go to work, 
you know. <laughs> and uh, the next day it was, he asked me about my last experience with step six when I was in sobriety before. And I told him, I said, well, I went to the river because I like being by the water. And I said the step seven prayer and nothing happened. So I figured I didn't have any defects or shortcomings and he starts fucking laughing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he goes, you have fucking many. You have many, right? <laughs> and uh, so I read, we read step six and seven out of the big book. I told him, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't get it, I don't understand. And then uh, he told me to go to the 12 and 12 and read the 12 and 12, right? So I went to the 12 and 12 and I got through the first page and a half, page and a half, two pages, and then clicked, then it clicked, right? You know, I, I just have to be willing to get rid of those defects when they pop up, right? And, 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 and to be honest, I, there are some that I'm very comfortable with holding on to, right? That I just don't want to let go of. Do I know that God wants me, like my definition of God, my higher power wants me to get rid of those? Yeah, I do. I really do, but I don't want to. And I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to hang on to those things until they cause me enough grief for me to want to do something about it, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, there, there's a part of my past where I don't, I don't care for pedophiles, rapists, sex offenders. I don't. I don't. And there are a lot of people I had harmed who are those things, right? Who are those labels? Mm -hmm. And I never put them in my four. I never put their name on my list mm -hmm. because I am not willing to make amends to them. I am quite okay with disliking them and disassociating myself from them. Mm -hmm. I am totally okay with that. And do I want to get to a point in my life where I will be forgiving? of people who do do that? No, I don't. But you know what? That might change when I'm 60 or 65 or on my deathbed. Mm -hmm. But right now, it, it's not. It's not. And, and, and I've really been looking at it these past few weeks. I've been really, really looking at it. And there's no turning point for me in it. Like how it works is we stood at the turning point. We asked protection and care with complete abandon. It was a turning point there for me. I, I, I feel... I feel okay with it, but then I don't mm -hmm. because I don't think that I'm living up to that expectation that I place on myself as being a member of a 12-step program, right? Am I being that shining example, you know, that poster boy for sobriety? Example. Yeah, exactly, the human mm -hmm. example, right? So, Which is all any of us are. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm doing my best not to give it too much thought mm -hmm. because then if I give it too much thought, then that's my alcoholic brain giving it too much thought mm -hmm. so I can eventually use that as an excuse to turn away and say that recovery isn't working mm -hmm. and then walk out of here and then start drinking again, start doing the dope again, right? You know, that's just how my brain is. So I just mm -hmm. leave it and I give it to God. And I'm like, okay, when you think I am ready to look at this and deal with this, then you will put it in front of me. Mm -hmm. I'm done with it for now. I'm done with it for now, right? And... Um, well, and it's okay if you do get to your deathbed and that doesn't change. Yeah, exactly. It's all okay, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and I think a lot of that, like, like I don't, some things I'm going to say I've never said before. Um, when I was, when I didn't want to want to change anything, you know, I just wanted my life to just end the very first time without killing myself, the very first time. My bright idea was to travel across Canada and kill Catholic priests. That was what I was going to do, right? And um, that was to... He didn't see Darcy in the background, but he's like, man, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I could just see the look on his face change. He's like, meh, somebody, somebody was going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was the justice for everything that they did. Yeah. Right. You know, me blaming them that I wouldn't be how I am if you didn't do this to my grandparents yeah. on either side of the family. And it's very much possibility. Yeah, yeah. Right? And probability, I would say. 
And, and, and what scared me about that is that I had my fucking car packed, ready, mm. and loaded, and ready to go do it. And I had the first fucking person picked out. And I remember sitting in my car, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you're fucking convinced that this is perfectly fucking normal. Mm. Like, you're like those fucking lunatics you watch on fucking crime documentaries right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to fucking do something about this, right? You got to do something about this, right? Well, you point out, like, a very fine line between, like, being, like, a human not murdering people yeah. and yeah. getting to that point, yeah. right? And yeah. the truth of the matter is, is everything you were thinking was true. Yeah. Like, those folks are responsible. Yep. And so it, it would seem perfectly reasonable, especially yep. if we're living in our rage, yep. right? Yep. And in oh, that yeah. pain, yeah. Yep. I was very fucking angry yeah. when I got here. Like, my first meeting, like they asked me to share, and I told everyone to fuck off. Mm. Don't fucking come near me. Don't fucking talk to me. I don't want to be your fucking friend. Just fuck right off. You know, no wonder only one person came and shook my hand after the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I would have at least laughed. If you just said that, I would have at least laughed. Because I've been in the room when people have said stuff like that, and I'm just like, fuck, that's awesome. I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> I don't want you talking to me either. And here I was. Oh, nobody's shaking my hand, right? <laughs> Walking around with the word asshole tattooed on your forehead. No wonder no one's talking. No wonder Barb didn't like me. Fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right? It was yeah. weird. People were stabbing yeah. me with their eyes. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> My first year and a half of sobriety, I carried a gun with me when I went to a meeting. Mm. Um, every now and then, I, I, I will bring a weapon with me when I go to a meeting, mm. just out of how I'm feeling about things, mm -hmm. right? You know, there's still that part of me that I wouldn't say that there's that rage that wants to act out in the physical violent part, mm -hmm. but the part where if I'm capable of that, than anybody else's, mm -hmm. and I want to be prepared for that, mm -hmm. right? When I go to meetings, I still sit at the back with my back to the wall so I can watch the door to see who's coming in. Mm -hmm. That's how much I trust people. I even fucking do that at work. When I'm at work, I'll sit mm -hmm. with my back to the wall so I can watch both doors, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and I really hope that that goes away, like I really do, but right now it's not that big of a hindrance on me as, as a shortcoming or a, or a defect of character mm -hmm. is. I call it the rock in your shoe. You know, a defect in a shortcoming is like a rock in your shoe. You get a rock in your shoe, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. But when I really get tired of it, I'll stop, I'll untie my boot and take that goddamn rock out. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put my boot back on and go on with it, right? And, and for me, that's how a defect and a shortcoming are. When I, when I finally get sick of my own shit, I'll do something about it, right? You know, but I have to go to my higher power to be able to help me with that because I can't do it my way, right? Even though I think my, my way is quicker, Right, I get immediate results. I benefit from it, <laughs> you know, mm. for a minute anyway. For a minute anyway, yeah. yeah. And 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 then, but I can't do things that way. Mm. I can't do things that way, right? Um, like what is it? Step eleven. We indulge in the citizen of the state of the nations. That was uh, family afterwards. Mm. We indulge, and uh, I do my best to mind my own business with what's going on in the world, and I fail miserably at that every fucking day, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I fail miserably at that every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I do my best to, to keep my nose out of other people's business when things are going on. But when people do share things with me, it only stays between me and that individual. It doesn't go anywhere else because I've had my anonymity broken mm -hmm. on the level of that I'm an alcoholic, I'm an AA, and in the sense that where somebody took what I said in a room and twisted it around and shared it with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, at another meeting or outside of those rooms, right? You know, and that can take somebody out. And if that takes somebody out, that could kill somebody, yeah. right? You know, but then again, we're all here in recovery because we're not all there in our fucking heads. I also remember that too. I'm just as sick as the next person that walks in that room. So I got to be really careful, right? I'm responsible for my own recovery. Mm -hmm. Nobody else is responsible for that. And if I want to keep my sobriety safe, then I'm going to be selfish mm -hmm. to a certain extent right to a certain extent you know and and i've managed to meet a lot of really really cool people and um but i've also managed to meet a lot of really cool people who died mm. you know that's hard yeah that is really hard you know 
Um, I was talking to Chelsea about how when you get into carrying this message to other people and you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, is that not everybody's going to make it. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking hard. Mm -hmm. That is really, really hard. Yeah. You know, I've probably... I've lost a lot of people when I was out there performing and it was great to drink at and I never went through that emotion mm -hmm. of losing them because I didn't know how and I didn't know how to express how I felt about them. And then losing people in sobriety, I'm able to express how I feel about them, mm -hmm. whether they're, they're still here, really sick, or after they die, mm -hmm. right? I'm able to go through those emotions now, which, are, which, which is nice, which is nice because I'm not carrying it around and using it. Mm -hmm. I'm not making their death about me, mm -hmm. right? Because I really like doing that. I really like making it about me, right? And, yeah. and, and I got to stay away from that. I really, really do. Um, step eight. A lot of praying involved in step eight. Step eight's really, really hard. You know, I wanted to get it right. I wanted to get it right. I always want to get the steps right in my daily life. And step eight, I always want to get right. Even to this day, even though I've been around 10 years, I still want to get it right. And I'll never get it right because I'll evolve into a deeper understanding of each step as sobriety goes on. You'll get it right? better, that's yeah, all. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? Um, I used to hear a long timer say that recovery is progressive, mm -hmm. just like drinking was progressive. Recovery is progressive yeah. as well. And I honestly believe that today because that's been my experience with it, right? Same here. You know, and... Um, it was kind of funny, you know, but God's got a sense of humor. That motherfucker's funny. It's funny as fuck. You know, I was... Uh, was Have you seen a manatee, <laughs> For sure, eh? Yeah. Like, the elephant of the sea. Yeah. Isn't that what they call them? Yeah. <laughs> the duck-billed... No, that's a platypus. Duck-billed yeah. platypus. Manatees don't have duck-bills, right? They have, like, no. schnouts or something like that. Yeah. I remember I was leaving uh, a meeting, Garnet Block, and it was on step nine, you know, and uh, I was playing, paying lip service to God, kind of type thing, and he kind of called me on it. Fucking son of a bitch called me on it, you know? And I get on the bus, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, all right, you know, it's been a while since I made an amends to anybody on my list, you know? So if you think I'm ready, then you'll put somebody in my path from that list. You know, when you pray, you gotta be specific, okay? You gotta be specific when you pray. <laughs> And then so sure enough, I get off the bus, I go to Tim Hortons to grab my Earl Grey tea, and there's somebody in there that's on my list. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're fucking from BC, you're not from Alberta. What the fuck, right? And I just said, okay, I owe you. Can we get together sometime and talk? If you don't want to, I understand. I totally understand. So we exchanged phone numbers and I left. And I looked up and I'm like, all right, you know, you answered that one pretty fast. It was a 20-minute bus ride. You know, you never answer my prayers when I'm praying for the 70 million on the Lotto Max, but, you know, you're doing this one here. But the coolest thing about that experience was that, you know, I had faith in my higher power, and then my faith in turn had faith in me. My higher power in turn had faith in me. You know, and so that's a good relationship. That's a really good relationship, right? Because I honestly believe that our understanding of our higher power will change through recovery. Therefore, our relationship will change with our higher power recovery. Bill likes to talk about it as the fourth dimension, mm -hmm. right? And uh, he, he writes a really good article about it in Grapevine as well. And, um, <clears throat> and it made it easier to, to do step nine. It made it easier to do step nine and prepare myself for step nine because for step nine, there's a lot of prayer involved in that mm -hmm. as well, right? You know, and talking to people, if you're really afraid, because when it came time, I knew I had to make amends to my son. It, it was weird. I, I prayed about it, and um, I'm like, okay, this is yours. I'm not going to think about it, but what I'm going to say, uh, how I'm going to justify why I was the absent father, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm not going to blame, mm -hmm. right? And shit, or shit, I never thought about it again until five years later, he phones, and he starts asking questions. Right? And I'm freaking out, <laughs> right? Because I know what I'm like. I know what my go-to is. It's to blame. It's to justify, right? You know, and, and I, I let him know. I said, I, I can't have this conversation with you at this particular moment. One, because you're intoxicated. Number two is I'm visiting your grandmother and I got to drive back home tomorrow and it's supposed to be a whiteout condition. So I need to focus on that 
first. And then when I get home, I'll call you, you know? And he's like, wasn't, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. But when I got home, <clears throat> I got home and then I phoned my sponsor and then of course my sponsor says, well, did you pray about it? What's the fear? Fuck it always fucking says that, you know? And then, um, and so I prayed about it, looked at what the fear was and I said I didn't want to tarnish my relationship that I already had with my son, right? Which is very fucking nil, right? And I didn't want to damage it any more than I already was. And then, uh, so when I phoned him, I texted him, are you available to talk now? He's like, yeah. So I phoned him and there was no blaming as much as I wanted to blame his mother and his grandmother, you know? There was no justifying as much as I wanted to blame my father, mm -hmm. justify how I'm a father because of my upbringing and whatnot, you know? and letting him know that I'm going to do my best to be there now when you need me. Within reason. Mm -hmm. Within reason, right? You know, and, and, and it went really, really well, you know. Um, there's some amends, direct amends that I will have to make where there's one amend that I'll have to make where the consequences are, uh, I'm fucking terrified mm. of the consequences from it. Terrified. Because... I'm married now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I have two beautiful little girls at home. Um, I have a great job, right? Um, I know a lot of people here in Calgary and I have a lot of really good friends, right? And I don't want to be away from that, right? You know, but I explained to my partner in the beginning before we got involved that there is one amend that I'm going to need to make in the future and I'll probably go to jail for a while mm -hmm. for it. And I'm just letting you know that to prepare you for it instead of us getting all and having this fucking life and then all of a sudden fucking Peter's fucking sitting in jail for five years, right? Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a shock. Oh, it was a huge shock, right? <laughs> what happened to Peter? <laughs> Where the hell's Peter? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and, and she understood. Mm. She goes, she's like, okay. She goes, I get it. I understand, right? You know? And uh, <laughs> I hate stepped in. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I don't like talking about step 10. Like I really do not like that step. It's not that I don't like it because I don't do it because I do do it. I just don't like it because I'm looking at it wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking at it as a tool to punish me, right? Mm -hmm. And I've done that in the past. Right? And I don't need to do that anymore, right? You know, but if you took that stuff out of there, we'd never get fucking better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I do it, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, the reason it sucks is because it's like a daily <coughs> dose of accountability, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And that is always going to be uncomfortable. It is. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it doesn't matter how much time I, I hang around here and haunt these halls. You know, I, I'm still not going to like the leveling of the pride. You no, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm still not going to like the, 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 the self-honesty. I'm still mm -hmm. not going to and being honest with others about my defects and my shortcomings and what I'm afraid of, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I'm still not going to like that, right? I really hope that goes away, but that depends on me. Mm -hmm. It de doesn't depend on anybody else. I'm it not sure it ever me. goes away. I don't either, yeah. but don't, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, though, you, do get, you just get better at dealing with it, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it, it happens fewer and farther in between. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and get, I have to remember that. Yeah, we, we remember that not everything's about us. And yeah. gradually that becomes, like, very much evident. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I, like I said, I still do Step 10. One thing I didn't notice about Step 10 was that there are... Are one, two, three, seven steps in step ten. It's either seven or five in there. And I remember when I was reading through it with my sponsor, and I stopped him. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, "What?" And I said, "Well, look at here." And I said, well, "Step four, and six, seven, okay? that's five. That's eight, nine. Mm -hmm. That's 12. He's like, "Yeah." So you're actually paying attention. Right, but still, like, and he's like, well, that's why you're supposed to do step 10 every day, because if you've done one through nine, you know, then you've already, you already know how to do it. Mm -hmm. He's like, so what's the fucking problem? Why don't you just do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've been practicing. You might as well. <laughs> yeah. It's my pride, my <laughs> ego, fear, yeah. having no faith, everything that mm -hmm. stopped me from doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Warm or cold crow is not good. No. It's not good. But but I find that tastes <clears throat> awful. 
It does. Like I'll, I'll, there's times that I catch myself where I'll make, I'll take my inventory and I'll make the amends because I just want them off my ass, mm -hmm. or I want the bragging rights, or I'm doing it half fast because I just don't want to feel what I'm feeling between the relationship with the individual, and that's a half measure, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not going to get really get anything from it. But being an alcoholic and being an addict. I forget about how it feels to invite my higher power into my life and then go through that process mm -hmm. about how great it feels. It, it's kind of like getting the first drink in you and it's kind of like getting the first big fucking fat rail in you, right? Mm. It, I forget all about that and how it feels. That's just how my brain works, right? <laughs> Am I triggering you? <laughs> and, um, and, and I have to remember that. Like, I have to remember that. You know, I, I'm never going to work this program perfect ever in my life. And, and again, I am responsible for my recovery and what I'm going to put into it. You know, nobody else is, you know, and being a drunk, I like to make everybody else responsible for the decisions that I make in my life. So therefore, when the shit goes sideways, I can blame them. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't have to be accountable. It's just how it is for me. Right. And, and I accept that about myself now. Right. Um, step 11. You know, I can complicate that step really good, mm -hmm. like really, really good, you know. You know, it'd be nice to be the next fucking Buddha, you know, walk on water, nice to do shit like that, but that's my ego talking with that, right? You know, do, do I know how to really practice true humility? No, I don't. You know, no, I don't, right? You know, it, it, again, that 11 is a working process as mm -hmm. well. You know, um, I'm finding all different forms of meditation that I can try and use and that I have in the past and some that have worked for me and some that don't, you know, forms of meditation that works for me in the very beginning of recovery. Every now and then I got to go back to that mm -hmm. as well, right? You know, and I, and I find that meditation are things that just soothe me. Mm -hmm. That is a form of meditation. What happens during the experience of that, I don't know and I can't explain it. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I just... My higher power is something that I feel, not here. It's something that I feel, right? You know, and, and I really enjoy that. And when I'm meditating and my higher power is working through me, to say the mm -hmm. least, right? I like that. I enjoy that feeling as well, right? Because, but I'm the type of person where I'm entitled, right? Mm -hmm. Where because I've done this, then you need to give it to me all the time. Yeah. And I don't need to do any more. For you, right? You know, um, like the twelve and twelve says, is where we can have all the faith in the world and still leave God out, mm -hmm. right? You know, I still like to rely on that 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 old idea of my higher power compared to the idea of the higher power that I have today, right? Because because I relied on that for so long, right? And I blamed that for everything for so mm -hmm. long, right? That of course I'm going to go back there every now and then, right? You know, but again, I, when I notice it. Then I do my best to rotate and get out of there as fast as I can. But sometimes I like sitting in my shit. Mm -hmm. I really do, you know, because yeah, it's uh, warm sometimes. It, it's warm. Not yeah. only that, but it's just I have a hard time letting people know when I need space. Mm -hmm. So if I'm just sitting in my shit, that's my way of letting them know I just need my mm -hmm. space for the time being. Right? You know, I'm, I'm still trying to get that balance in my life. You know, but. Uh, you know, cartoons are the best for, for slogans. You know, master shofu, mm -hmm. balance does not necessarily mean things. Everything is, is, is equal, mm -hmm. right? You know, sometimes I have to put a little more work into my relationship than I do with my job. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I got to put a little bit more work into my job than I do in my relationship, right? And vice versa with recovery mm -hmm. and with friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, there's balance all within that, but it all changes. Mm -hmm. It all changes. And I'm getting a little more comfortable with that. As, as time goes on, um, step 12, my sponsor never pushed step 12 on me, mm -hmm. ever, um, because he wanted me to come to my own realization about what step 12 was about for me, mm -hmm. not for him or anybody else, but how it was for me. And I honestly believe that there is a difference between a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. I honestly do, right? And I'm entitled to believe that if I want to. Of course and you are. Anybody else, well, whatever, you have your own, right? And I'm not going to shove it down anybody else's throat either, right? Again, I'm responsible for my own recovery, right? You know, and um, 
I never wanted to sponsor. I never wanted to take anybody through the steps, anything like that, you know. And, and I remember my very first first guy I took through the steps, you know, he showed up at a meeting and uh, we're sitting in the meeting and it was a candlelight for salon. And he says, I was just fired by my sponsor and I was told to come here and ask Peter to be my sponsor, right? I couldn't say no because he said it in a room full of members, mm -hmm. right? So I had to take it on, you know? <laughs> and uh, I didn't think this guy would ever listen. And after he got a year sober, I told him, you need to go find another sponsor. This is, this is it here. And he looks at me and he's like, that's just a suggestion and I don't have to listen to you. And he turned around and he walked away, mm -hmm. right? To this day, we still work with each other, mm -hmm. but it's not a sponsor-sponsor relationship anymore. We're friends, mm -hmm. right? You know, which is really, really cool, and that's what's been happening here with, with Chelsea and I. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you do more for me than I do for you. You know, you hold me accountable to this. You really do. Because if I didn't have anyone to carry this to, I wouldn't be doing it mm -hmm. at all. I don't like reading the book in the morning. I don't like going to meetings. I don't like chairing meetings, right? I don't like listening to somebody and, and sharing my experience with them about how to get through a life in sobriety because I'm entitled. And don't you know how important my time is? Mm -hmm. Don't you know how hard I worked, right? <laughs> you know? And, and, and I had a really good realization of that when my partner and I, you know, I was bitching and complaining because I had to go down to Garnet Block and do some service work. And then she's like, well, what do you want? And I said, I just want to enjoy my fucking life. I don't want to go down there and cater to these ungrateful sons of bitches, mm -hmm. you know? And then she looks at me and she's like, well, you wouldn't have this life if it wasn't for that. And I was like, fuck you. Walked out the door. <laughs> Guess I'm going to Garnet. <laughs> and then I went, and I was being of service, right? Yeah. Being of service, you know? And it's just, my life is not perfect, right? I don't have the relationship with the, with my family that I do want to have, right? I forget that other people are not well like, other people aren't well. I won't mm -hmm. say well like me, but other people aren't well, right? I still need to work on being kind and loving and being empathetic, mm -hmm. you know, especially with my family. You know, I was told a long time, don't ever 12-step anybody in your family, ever. Mm -hmm. And I like to learn shit the hard way. And I tried to do that. Mm -hmm. And it fucking backfired in my face. It and does. I'm really glad that person didn't fucking die mm -hmm. because of my fucking shit, you know. And, uh, and, and so I do my best to stay out of those things. There's all these little warnings that the, that the big book will give us, mm -hmm. right? Lots of warnings. And there's so many warnings in there, right? And... Um, but there's lots of warnings that we get from experiences from other members that aren't written in the literature at all, right? Uh, the whole thing, staying out of a relationship for a year. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's so many of them out there. There's some of them that I think are just a fucking bunch of shit is what they are, right? And and I know... Which will happen when you paint something with a big brush, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Some of it right? just won't apply. Yeah. And that's how I yeah. used to judge AA. Yeah. I, 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 I judged AA as a whole based on the actions of individual members, yeah. right? You know? And um, again, that's where anonymity comes into play as well, too. I'm very, the anonymity thing, that's a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. That is a big deal for me. Because if I'm capable of thinking that, <laughs> mm -hmm. so are the other newcomers coming in here, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. They're going to draw their own interpretation of it, right? So I, I do my best to be very careful. Again, I'm not going to be fucking perfect. I am not going to be perfect, you know? If I fuck up, I do my best to own up to it, mm -hmm. right? how the other person is going to take it, that's their business. It is not mine, right? It's just that clearing my conscience, the thing about step 11, we retire at night, right? That's clearing my conscience with my higher power right then and there, giving me that clean slate, that clean slate to put all my troubles of the day and the things that had bothered me, bothered my spirit for that day, giving it to my higher power so I can sleep and have a good night's sleep and then get up and having hope and having faith to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. for others that I come into contact with, right? You know, because I can't keep carrying the fucking shit from yesterday into the next day and the next day and the next day, mm -hmm. right? You know, I think one of the biggest things that I have learned in recovery is about forgiveness, self-forgiveness and forgiving other people, right? You know, and, and my hugest amends was, was, was uh, my father. 
you know, and my dad died when I was really, really young. And I didn't know that I used him or blamed him for a lot of, a lot of things that I said and did in life. And I remember, you know, uh, I probably had about a year and a half in at the time. And I was having these reoccurring dreams come, come up of things that I experienced as a child with my father. And I didn't really care for them. Um, they were coming up, but I knew I had to do something about it, right? You know, and me being the big fucking tough man I am, I wasn't going to go to therapy, but I ended up in therapy, right? And um, so I sat down and I'd done a four on my dad, you know, and I played no part in any of those resentments I had towards him. None whatsoever, whatsoever, right? And um, it, it was interesting because my resentment towards him turned to my resentment towards me because I was raised by my mother to always love your parents no matter what. Mm -hmm. No matter, that, that's, that's, that's the right way to do things, right? You know, and um, so my resentment was towards me. So I didn't really hate my dad as much as I did, but I started fucking beating the shit out of myself over how I felt about my father, right? You know, and then I remember doing, doing a five with my sponsor with it. That's the tricky thing about five, but I'm not going to tell you guys about it because you'll experience it yourself, you know? It was um, when I shared it with my sponsor and then it came time to make my amends to my father. You know, it was really, really weird coming to a place of forgiving somebody who should have did more for me, you know? Somebody should have loved me better. Somebody who could have said, it's okay, right? Not fucking punish me because I don't understand how I feel, right? You know, not, uh, not beat the fucking shit out of me because um, I'm not man enough, right? And, uh, and I think that's what made me so hard when I got older, right? You know, and, and, and to be able to forgive that was, I never... I never thought I did come to forgiving him. You know, I remember going to his grave and reading a letter that I had wrote for him, you know, and accepting the fact that he was a sick man like me, you know, um, but I made it out. He didn't, right? Because I've seen my dad, like, go fucking down, mm -hmm. go down, you know, and, and then, like, he turned the needles because the booze wasn't working anymore. And the vanilla wasn't working anymore, and and he got tired of seeing the snakes and seeing the spiders, you know. And um, again, he taught me what how not to be, right? You know, when I when I made my amends and I read the letter at his grave for him, I burnt it. I didn't let any of the ashes touch me. And then I left, and I went to go visit my mom. And my mom looked, I looked at me, and she's like, "Are you okay?" And I said, "Why?" She goes, "You just look different." You know, good because I let that part go. Mm -hmm. And then I had the opportunity to make the amends to my mother because I didn't believe my mother when my mother told me the things my father did to her. Mm -hmm. I thought my mom was lying to me and that my mother just wanted me to hate my father because I chose to stay with him and not with her, mm -hmm. right? You know, so I got to do that with my mom, which was really, really nice because mm -hmm. I have a solid relationship with my mother. I love my mother very much. She is my biggest superhero aside from Batman, mm -hmm. right? You know, she's a real superhero. Batman's kind of like, but still, mm -hmm. you know. And um, my moms are way better than Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way. Um, my mother has taught me so much, but I never listened to any of those lessons until I got much older, got into recovery. But I still remember those things that she told me, even though they didn't make sense. You know, um, my mother calls me her golden child, mm. right? But I only am who I am because of her, right? You know. Um, not only did she give me life, but she saved my life because I wasn't supposed to live past two weeks when I was born. And uh, my mother told the doctors that I'm not leaving my son here to die. I'm bringing him home with me. And I made it. Right? Mm. Yeah. Definitely owe her a lot. Right on. Definitely. Yeah. Um, if you come to recovery, you think you got a problem, you have to be willing to do what it takes to stay sober. Mm. Not willing to do what you want to do 
but willing to do what it takes to stay sober. Um, you got to listen, right? If you don't like somebody, stay the fuck away from them. <laughs> you know, don't go near them, mm -hmm. right? You'll find out sooner or later why you don't like them. And it's probably because they're a lot like you, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> Sadly, that is the case most you of know, the time. Right? Yeah. And, the uh, ones I really don't like. It's yeah. like a fucking mirror. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get your ass to a lot of meetings, you know, get a sponsor, mm -hmm. go through the book, you know, keep reading the book, keep talking to your sponsor, you know, as hard as it is to meet people in recovery and put your hand out and whatnot, meet people, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and if you got to walk away from people in recovery that you've known for a while, then it's going to be hard. You got to do it, you know, because again, like we're responsible for how we're, we're responsible for our own sobriety. Nobody mm -hmm. else is, right? You know? There are so many people that have taught me so many things about me in recovery, right? Especially about boundaries and everything. Like, I didn't fuck, fuck all about boundaries when I walked in here, mm -hmm. you know? And, and setting them can be very uncomfortable as well, right? You know, because I can feel really hurt by some boundaries that I have to, have to set, right? Because not everybody interprets friendship and love the same as I do. Not everybody does. And I have to remember that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I got to allow them the dignity of their own experience, mm -hmm. you know? And there are times that I got to sit and listen like I have no opinion, you know? And, and as much as I want to, as much as I want to, I want everybody to, 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 to get it, how I got it, that's not going to happen either, you know? And, 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 and coming to accept that has been difficult, but I don't have to drink over it, mm -hmm. you know, I don't. You know, and and it's life and sobriety ain't bad at all. Yeah. It ain't bad at all. You know, I'm I'm gonna have my my good days and I'm gonna have my bad days, but you know, I've I've had so many fucking miracles happen since mm -hmm. I've been sober, and I don't regret any day of my life, of my life. And there was a time that I regretted a lot of things, mm -hmm. and to this day I don't at all, at all. Right and on. That's freedom. That is freedom. So if you show up and you see me, say hi, you know, um, don't be shy, you know, and uh, there is, there is hope. Right on. Thank you so much, Peter. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure.